Well, it's good to see you guys. Thankful for the invite uh, from Paul and uh, just being back with you. I was here last year, uh, just blessed by it and uh, excited uh, about tonight. Uh, my name is Eric. I am a pastor in Nashville of a church called The Journey Church and um, had a chance to uh, be a camp pastor for some of you guys. Let, let me, if you've been to Fuge Camp where I was speaking, would you make a noise or something? All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Make a noise or something. That's so technical. Um, I'm glad you chose that noise and not other ones. Um, so, so I'm really glad to be here. And let me just say this. Let me just say this. Um, I, I know why you're here. You may think that you're here to get away from your house for the weekend, and, uh, and you may think you're here because, you know, there's nothing to do in Tri-Cities area, um, but honestly, God brought you here. You're here by the plan of God, from the design of God, from the foundation of the world, and I want you to let this sink in for a moment. From the foundation of the world, God planned and designed the fact that you would be here tonight, right here, right now. And I don't think it was because he wanted us to simply get out of the cold tonight and happen to be in this nice warm room. I, I believe God wants to reveal himself to us. God wants us to see him. Because let me tell you something. You and I are made to stand in all of God. We're made to marvel at him. We are made to see him and be in awe. And we've got far too little awe in our life, honestly, today. We, we are rarely in awe of God. And here's my prayer, just up front, just want to lay it out to you. My hope, my prayer is that regardless if you are a long-time believer, follower of Jesus, or whether this is all kind of new to you and you're not really sure where you are, here's what I want to happen tonight. I want your eyes to be opened to be in all of God. And I want to show you some things tonight from God's word that I think serve to do that. Because see, in order for us to be in awe of God, we need to see him rightly. In order for us to see him rightly, we need him to shine his light for us to see. We need him to shine light on the truth and we need him to open our eyes to see it and to marvel at it. And so we're gonna talk about this idea of light tonight. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever been in a situation where you were scared of the dark. Don't lie because you wanna be cool in front of your friends. All right, raise them high. Raise your hand if you're still scared of the dark. No, I'm just playing. All right, so some of you would have kept your hands up, though, had I not said, I'm just playing. Um, Before cell phones were, like, always on your nightstand, I remember growing up that I would wake up in the middle of the night sometimes if there was a storm and the power would be off. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this or not, but when the power goes off and you wake up in the middle of the night and it's pitch black, where you can't even see your hand in front of your face, that's scary. It is, a little bit, it is a little bit unnerving, right? To wake up and just be like, where am I, right? Feeling like you're kind of just floating in space somewhere until you hit your toe on the bed or, or something like that, right? Where you're just going, oh my goodness, I can't see anything. And it kind of freaks you out a little bit. Y'all don't really know that that much because you just flick your phone on, right? And turn your flashlight on. Back in the day, we didn't have that. We had candles and, okay, I'm not that old, but still, you know, you know where I'm saying, right? Y'all don't have that as much, but you, there's probably been times in your life where you've experienced kind of being in the dark and it's kind of scary or where you're in the dark and you're needing, to, you're needing light and your eye is drawn to the first sign of light. You ever notice that? When you're in the dark, man, your eyes will catch any light, my daughter, who's six years old, is 
terrified of the dark. She will not go to the bathroom by herself because it requires a split second of being in there before the light switch will come on, right? Complete freak out. She, won't, she will pee on herself before she will go to the bathroom without somebody going with her, right? Some of you still do that, and we need to talk about that, right? Um, <laughs> she's scared, terrified of the dark. I remember when I was in the army, I jumped out of airplanes, and one of the things that we would do is we would jump out of planes at night. That was actually the majority of the jumps that we did. And it was always kind of unnerving to be staring at an airplane door and there was nothing but black, nothing but darkness, and you are about to go in it. That's a scary feeling. See, the Bible talks a lot about darkness and light. The Bible talks a lot actually about both physical darkness and light, and this idea of spiritual darkness and light. Now, pause, hit the pause button and hold that thought. God creates nothing on accident. Everything that God creates has a purpose, has intention, has meaning. So nothing is created accidentally, randomly, or arbitrarily. So when God creates everything, he's ultimately doing it for his glory and to fulfill his purposes in the world, unpause. So God creates the world to operate in such a way that we would experience dark and light. We would experience darkness and light on a daily basis. God created the world that way on purpose. Now I want you to think about this. Why did he do that? He could have created the world any way he wanted. He could have created the world where it's always light and never dark. He could have created the world where there would never be a turning from light to darkness and back to light again. It would just be constantly light. He could have designed the world like that. But instead, from the beginning, he creates a world where every day would confront us with the reality of darkness and of light. He created other things that we take as simple routines as well. For example, have you ever stopped to think about the question, why did God make us and design us to need to eat? Have you ever thought about the question, why did God design us to need to drink? You and I live off of bread, of food. We need food. We need water. Think about this. If God is God, he could have created us to need none of that. He could have made us where we kind of like just charge up every day because the sun came out. Right? Or, or because we lay down for a little bit and we recharge, right, physically. He doesn't have to make it where we need food to eat and water to drink. So why did he do it that way? Well, here's the first thing I want to establish. God created physical realities in such a way that they would teach us about spiritual reality. God created Physical realities, the reality of darkness and light, right? Where the sun would come up and the sun would go down. He created us to need food and to eat daily and to need water and to drink daily in order to live, even though he did not have to create the world that way. So why did he create it that way? Because he created physical realities to teach us about spiritual realities. So back to the question, why would he design us to need food? And design us to need water. I believe so that when Jesus comes into the world and looks at the crowds and he says this, I am the bread of life. 
I am the living water. We know exactly what he's talking about. Bread is needed to survive. We need it to be sustained and we eat it for satisfaction. We need water to be sustained and we drink it for satisfaction. And Jesus looks and says, I am the bread. I am the living water. What does he mean? He means I am the ultimate sustenance that you need. I am the ultimate source of joy for your life. Apart from me, you have nothing. If you don't feast on me, you have nothing. If you don't drink from these waters, you won't live. Bread and water make sense to us when we know the physical realities of bread and water. Are you tracking? Say, I'm tracking. So why did God create us that way? To teach us about a spiritual reality. So now back to the question that we started with. Why did God create the reality of darkness and light? I believe it's to teach us about the reality of spiritual darkness and spiritual light. Why do I have that idea in my mind? Listen to what Revelation 21 says, beginning in verse 22. Speaking about the new heavens and the new earth, this is what John tells us he sees. He says, and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty and the Lamb, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it, say it, light. And its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day. And finish it with me. And there will be no night there. In heaven, there will be no night. No darkness, only light. Ask yourself this question. Why would God create a world where there would be darkness and light every single day, but when the new heavens and new earth come, when when we spend eternity with him in a redeemed world, there is no darkness, it's only light. I believe the answer is because God creates the physical realities to teach us about spiritual reality. And on this earth, darkness and light is meant to teach us something about God and about ourselves. The reality of daily darkness and daily light is meant to shine light on us. What is it supposed to teach us? Here's the answer. We are sinners lost in darkness that can only be rescued by coming to the light. And Jesus is the light. We are sinners, every one of us, who are lost in darkness. We do not see, we do not seek God, we do not know our way, we cannot see our hand in front of our face. We are in darkness and we are dead in sin. And the only way that we can be rescued is we have to come to the light and Jesus is the light. Why do I believe this? Because this is what scripture teaches and I wanna lay it out to you as the Bible so beautifully does. So if you have your Bible, go to John chapter one. We're gonna flip around to some places, but we're gonna start with where Paul just read for us a moment ago. John chapter one. I want us to look at the reality of spiritual darkness and light and what the Bible uses about what we already know about these physical realities to teach us about a very real spiritual reality that we're all being confronted with tonight in this room. Darkness and light. John chapter one. 
John begins like this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So we're told here that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. With God in the beginning, nothing in the world was made that was not made through him, and that word was the light that shines in the darkness. The darkness cannot overcome it. He continues. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John starts his entire gospel with this picture. Jesus is the light. He is the light. Everybody else was serving to bear witness to the light. They were not the light. And this light was coming into a world of darkness. But the world did not receive him. The world did not accept him. His own did not receive him as their own. But to all who did believe in him, to all who did receive the light, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born by blood or like natural birth, but born of the spirit, born of God. Not born of the will of man or the flesh, but of God. The picture here of Jesus being the light is a picture of Jesus coming into the world to save sinners in darkness. Jesus is the light of the world Sinners live in darkness. Now watch, watch what unfolds in Scripture. Jesus is the light. We need him to shine on us. But what happens when Jesus shines on us? What does that mean? Because if we want Jesus to shine through us, first he has to shine on us. For you to be the light of the world, as Jesus said, you must first be in the light. You must first have Jesus shine on you before he will shine through you. So what does it mean for Jesus to shine on us? I want to give you two things to think about. Number one, for Jesus to shine on us means we are exposed to the reality of sinfulness and love for the darkness. For Jesus to shine his light on us means that we are exposed to the reality of our sinfulness and our love for the darkness. John chapter 3, verse 16 through 22, listen to what, 21, listen to what Jesus says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He didn't come to point out how we fail at everything. He came to say, I'm, I'm here to save you. I'm here to be the way by which you are saved. Watch what happens. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, 
The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. For everyone who does, who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. Whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may clearly be seen that his works have been carried out in God. Jesus, who is the light of the world, comes and exposes the darkness of our sin. For Jesus to shine his light on us means the spotlight of our sin is brought to bear. And here's usually the response for us. We run and hide back in darkness. We don't like our sin exposed. What kind of sin does Jesus expose in us? He exposes our propensity to live according to our own wisdom. I want to be my own God and determine what is right, what is wrong, what is permissible. My own wisdom says, you know, this isn't that bad. I mean, I know God says that I shouldn't, you know, sleep with someone who I'm not married to, but I don't think it'd be that big of a deal if we love each other, right? My wisdom trumps God's wisdom. Jesus shines light on our wickedness and our darkness. He also shines light on our propensity to live according to our own will. Instead of saying, as Jesus did to his father, not my will, your will be done, what we like to say is, my will be done. My will be done. In fact, what we want God to do is kind of get in line with our wills. When Jesus comes, who's the light of the world, he shines on that darkness. When Jesus comes, he doesn't just show how we live according to our own wisdom and our own will, but we live for our own glory. I don't know when's the last time you took a self-inventory, but a lot of us are aiming for things that have the chief end of being we get glorified through it. We live our life so that we are the big deal, so that we are the one on center stage. We're the one in the spotlight. It's our glory that we live for. And when Jesus, the light of the world, shines in our lives, it exposes the darkness of wanting to be glorified instead of living a life to glorify him. And if you want to know what happens to men, it says men hate the light because they love the darkness. This is the response of a wicked, sinful heart. Think about it. When you shine the light of Jesus in a situation you tell somebody, well, you know, this is what God's word says about that issue. You notice that if they're in darkness, they'll usually get defensive. Rather than humbly receiving what you're saying, they get defensive. Why? Because we love the darkness. This was Jesus saying, we love the darkness. We don't love the light. We, don't, we do not inherently love the light. You do realize you do not inherently love the light. You inherently love the darkness. Our first parents in the garden, when they sinned against God, did they run to him or from him? From. Did they come out into the light or did they cover themselves and hide in darkness? We love the darkness. And Jesus is the light of the world and he comes and he shines light in that darkness. And here's our natural recoil. We hide. We conceal. You see, that's what you do in darkness, isn't it? You conceal things. 
You keep them out of sight. A lot of you tonight have some things that you're trying and have been trying to continue to hide in darkness. And Jesus tonight is wanting to just exploit it with light. And tonight you've got to ask yourself the question, am I willing to lay down these things? Am I willing to let that light shine in and overcome the darkness? Or am I going to continue to run and love the darkness? See, we understand lightness and dark. Darkness and light, we understand it. We, we understand physically what it feels like. And Jesus uses the analogy of, I'm the light, and yet you keep running to darkness. So Jesus, being the light of the world, exposes the reality of our sinfulness. But then I want you to see the second thing that he does. He extends his hand of sovereign grace to us. What does it mean to say Jesus shines his light on us? It means, in one sense, he's exposing our sin, and then watch, in the other sense, he is lovingly wooing us to himself by sovereign grace. For the light of Jesus to shine on you, biblically, talks a lot about him bringing us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Listen to some passages that speak to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4 through 6. 2 Corinthians 4. Four through six. It says, in, the, in their case, those who are blind, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from what? Seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this world, the lowercase g God, the enemy, blinds the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. But watch what God does, verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's unpack this briefly. When did God ever say, let light shine out of darkness? When did he say that? When did God say, let light shine, let there be light? When did God say that? At creation, he spoke it and it was. He didn't say, let there be light. And then he was like, eventually it's, it's gonna come on in, in a little bit. He, he spoke it and it was. This is what Paul says. The God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone into our hearts. He has penetrated the darkness with his light and has shone in our hearts to give the light, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What is this passage talking about? It's talking about the light coming into our hearts and changing us, opening our eyes to see. When the light of Jesus comes shining in your life, all of a sudden, things you didn't see about God, you see. Affections you did not feel about God, you feel. Everything changes because his light comes crashing in. I'll never forget it in my life. I'll never forget it. I never once in my entire junior high and high school time went to a youth group meeting or anything of this nature. I was never involved in anything like that. I did not see Jesus rightly. I did not love him. I did not care about him. I did not see him. I knew facts about him. 
I could tell you like, oh yeah, Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead. You know, because I can, I can give you the rehearsed answers that I heard in Sunday school growing up. But there was no affection for God. There was no love for him at all. And then it all changed. 20 years old, not looking for it, sovereign grace came crashing into my life. And the God who spoke at the beginning, let there be light, said the same thing into my heart. And all of a sudden, the scales fell from my eyes. And I saw Jesus for the first time as real, as true, as good, as sovereign king over my soul. And I bowed my heart in humble adoration to him. The God who said, let light shine out of darkness, when he shines that light in your heart, you see Jesus rightly for the first time. That's part of what it means for Jesus to shine on us, but it also goes beyond that. Ephesians 5.14, Ephesians 5.14 Similar to the last text, it says, For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. What is Paul talking about? He's talking about regeneration. He's talking about new birth. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were asleep, but He said, awake, O sleeper, get up from the grave, get up from your deadness, rise, and Christ will shine on you. He'll shine his light on you. Sovereign grace. You don't just decide one day to wake up and go, you know, I might try this Jesus thing out for a little bit. You know, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to get my life together, try the Jesus thing for a little while, get my life cleaned up. Nobody does that. You know what happens if you're truly a follower of Jesus? Light, light is shed abroad in your heart to give you eyes to see, to give you affections to feel. That's what it means for Jesus to shine on us. And then watch what happens when that finally does take place. John chapter eight, verse 12 Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. They can't keep walking in darkness, concealing, hiding their sin. Living undercover and living a different life in secret than they do in public. You know what the darkness and light contrast represents. And Jesus, using that analogy, says, I'm the light of the world. If you walk with me, you will not walk in darkness. Instead, what will you do? You will have the light of life. You'll obey me. You'll follow me. So when Jesus, the light of the world, comes into the world to shine his light on us, what are we talking about? We're talking about the first thing that happens is we see our sin for what it is. It's wicked, it's darkness, and it's exposed. If you think that you are good with God while you are concealing sin and hanging on to sin as if he is winking at it, the light has not shone on your hearts. He exposes the darkness. He exposes our wickedness. He exposes our self-reliance. 
He exposes our need to live glorifying ourselves, living according to our wisdom, according to our wills. He exposes it. We see it and we're humbled and brought to our knees by it. We begin to realize that I've been living pretending as if I'm God. I'm exposed. I'm exposed. And then with grace, he shines the light on us to show that he is the true God, the living king, the savior of sinners, that there's more grace in one drop of his blood than all the sin in our life. And he, he raises us from the dead. He shines light into our dark hearts. And then he calls us to walk with him in the light. The entire purpose for God creating a world where there is physical darkness and light is to teach us about the reality of spiritual darkness and light. Every day you're confronted with the reminder when you walk out at night of sin, of death, of our need and propensity to conceal and hide from God. And yet every morning we awake to light. We awake from sleep. We rise again. All of this by the design of God. This should not be a surprise to us that he operates this way. Most of the time when Jesus opened his mouth to teach about the kingdom of God, what did he do? He pointed to, to physical realities. Look at the birds of the air. He used agricultural examples to teach about the kingdom of God. A sower went out and sowed seed in the field. This is how God works in the physical world. He is using it to teach us about the world unseen, yet is just as real as the physical world. Darkness and light. We were born in darkness. Christ is the light. That light exposes us and it saves us. So here's my challenge tonight. Here's my challenge to you. The reality of darkness and light exists in this room right now. Some of you in this room are walking in darkness every day. You're walking in darkness. It's not that you're a terrible person and that on the surface we can all tell your life's in shambles. You might actually look really well put together, but you're still walking in darkness. You're hiding and concealing sin. You're trying to atone for your own sin by good behavior, promises to do better tomorrow, maybe showing up to church every once in a while on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. But you're in darkness. You live hiding from God you live hiding your sin. And rather than feeling great joy in that darkness, you are sad, you're depressed, you're anxious, you're never satisfied. Tonight, I want you to hear the call of the light of men saying, come out of the darkness. Jesus is calling you out of darkness tonight. He's calling you to see the sin that you're concealing only from your own conscience, not from his eyes. 
He wants you to see it. He wants you to feel the ugliness and the weight of it. And then he wants you to hear these words, I've atoned for it. I've paid the ransom. I've purchased you back from the dead. He wants you to see the light. He's calling you out of darkness. He's calling you to come find forgiveness. He's calling you to come find joy. He's calling you to come find peace. He's calling you to find satisfaction for your soul. When Jesus shines on us, exposing our sinfulness, extending sovereign grace through us, he'll then begin to shine through us. And throughout the rest of this weekend, you're going to have messages about the light of Jesus shining through us and into the world. But listen, the light of Jesus must shine daily on us. Exposing our sin. And calling us to grace. Fullness of joy is found only in the relationship that God offers us through his son. Real life, real joy is not found in the sin that we like to run to and conceal. It's found in God. And Jesus is the light that brings us to God. Jesus is the light that brings us to joy. See, when Christ's light shines in us, it then shines through us. And the way it shines through us is not because we have to do our duty to tell people. It's because the joy that's in our life now is contagious joy. It's undeniable joy. It's real life-giving joy. When the light comes in, that's when joy is really produced in our lives. Because when we're walking in the light, we're walking with God. And that's where fullness of joy is found. Listen to how Paul was told by Jesus on the road to Damascus. Listen to what he said. On the road to Damascus, Jesus saves Paul and then he informs him of the mission that he is saving him to live for. He says, Paul, I'm saving you, I'm rescuing you, I'm I'm changing who you are, and I'm sending you out to the Gentiles. 26, 18. To open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness of their sins and be given a place among God's people who were set apart by faith in me. I want you to make the connection here. I'm sending you out to open their eyes so they would turn from darkness to light, Satan to God, forgiveness of sins and a place among the people of God. Walking in darkness is walking with Satan and it's walking in our sin. Walking in the light is walking in forgiveness and walking with God. That's what you're invited to tonight. I want to close by inviting you to that tonight. Whether that means for the first time in your life, you're starting to grapple with, really, am I in the light or am I in darkness? I want you to ask yourself that question tonight. With the Holy Spirit's penetrating power at work in your heart. Ask yourself this question. Am I in darkness or in light? Not do I attend church regularly? Not is my granddad a deacon? 
Not do we say Lord's Prayer before football games. Not I have a gold cross I wear on my neck. Not I've got John 3.16 memorized. Are you walking in darkness or light? Have you confessed your sin to God? Have you surrendered your inability and your non-capacity to save yourself? Have you come to the place where you cried out to God to say, I'm in darkness. I'm in darkness. Shine your light on me. Forgive me of my sin. Has there been a time in your life where you've really cried out before God with a heart that realizes, I am doomed apart from him? I'm at this moment one breath from facing the wrath of God for eternity if I'm not in the light. Friends, this is no game. For those who perish in darkness will live forever in darkness. Have you come to the time in your life where you can say the light of Christ shone in my heart and it exposed my sin and I confessed it before God and then he awakened me to new life. I came to believe. I came to see. Whether you've never done that or whether you have and you've reverted back to darkness. See, because there's some of you here who would say, I've had a genuine conversion. God changed my heart. There were times in my life I felt so close to God. And right now, I'm in darkness. I am, I am, I am living with my feet in the light, but my back towards it. I'm facing the darkness. My affections keep going towards the darkness. Some of you are living there right now. Right now, and I'm praying that the light of Jesus is cutting like a sword through hard hearts in this room right now. That the light of Jesus is shining from heaven into souls this moment. Exposing sin that needs to be repented of tonight. Showing trajectories that you're on that need to be repented of tonight. Laid down tonight. So whether that's for some of you crying out to Jesus for the first time to say, I need you. I need you. I'm lost. I am in darkness. There's no doubt. If I faced you tonight, I would be doomed. Some of you just need to cry out tonight. For all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God sent his son into a world of darkness to shine light. Jesus is the light of the world who atones for sin. On the cross, he bore your guilt, your shame, your addictions, your pride, your greed, your lust, your pornography addiction, your unwillingness to honor your parents. He died for all the need to be made much of. He died as if he had done it instead of you. On him was the chastisement that brought us peace. If we call upon his name. And for those of you who have called upon his name. But find yourself wallowing in the darkness. Tonight he's calling you back to him. He's calling you out of darkness and back to him. He's calling you to repentance tonight. Would you bow your heads in prayer?
going to ask the band to come up. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were following after the course of this world. We were following after the prince of the power of the air. We were living as children of wrath, hopeless and in darkness. But the God who spoke in the beginning, let there be light, has shown light into our dead hearts and brought light. Gave us eyes to see. We were blind. We did not esteem Jesus. We did not think highly of him. We had no taste buds that desired him. And his light came shining in and changed us. We had no desire for God, no willingness to obey him. Light came crashing in. And he made us alive with Christ. Sovereign grace. Tonight, Jesus invites you to come. Jesus invites you to lay down your sin, to lay down your pride, to come out of darkness. He's not going to scold you for being in the darkness. He's not coming to shame you. He's coming to give you life. I want you to cry out to him tonight from where you're seated. Some of you need to make those first steps out of darkness to light tonight. Confessing your sin and confessing your need for Jesus. Asking him to transform you. Committing yourself to him as Lord and Savior. Acknowledging that apart from him you have no hope. Tonight some of you believers who have been in the light need to confess areas where you still love darkness. You need to repent of areas and of relationships and of habits that are still putting you in darkness. The light of Jesus is shining on us tonight. His light is in this place. Exposing our sin and calling us to sovereign grace, cleansing us of unrighteousness, burying our sins, cry out to Him. God to use this weekend to transform your heart. Ask God to use this weekend to shine light into your heart.
God, we stand in awe of you tonight. You fashioned the world with your hands. You spoke it was all by the brilliance of your wisdom. You created a physical world by which we would experience things that we take for granted, darkness and light and eating and drinking, and yet all of it was aimed to show us who you are. It was aimed to teach us about our need for Jesus, the bread of life, who is our sustenance and joy, the living water who nourishes us, who quenches our thirst, the light of men who rescues us from darkness. Oh, help us to see Jesus rightly. Cause our hearts to rise in praise tonight. Help our affections to be aligned with the truthfulness that you save sinners by grace. Find in this place people willing to praise you and marvel at you for this amazing gift of light. Who are we, oh God, that you would shine light in our hearts? Who are we that you would bear with us? Who are we to be given second, third, thousand chances? encourage you tonight and over the course of this week and as the Lord is speaking as the Lord is revealing as the Lord is moving in you speak and talk with others about what God is doing talk to group leaders talk to your youth pastors talk to those around you about what God is doing because listen while our faith is personal it's never private And if Jesus is shining light into your heart and you've got questions or you're making big decisions or you're turning from sin, let others walk with you through that. Let others pray with you. Let others encourage you, strengthen you. Don't say, I just dealt with that in my little time with God and and that's kind of the end of the story. Let's make this a weekend where it's full disclosure. Let's bring stuff out of the darkness and into the light. For that's where Satan loses his power over us is when we get stuff out of darkness and we bring it into the light. And Jesus wants to shine his light all over this place. And he wants to shine it in your life. So let's stand. Let's give him our praise. Let's, let's give him our heartfelt praise as people who have been exposed to the light, not because we were worthy, but because he is kind. Not because we are deserving, because he is gracious. Let's celebrate the light. Let's celebrate the one who rescued us out of darkness. Amen? Amen. Let's give him the praise tonight.